I had a dream about preaching this passage, so let's see if actually real life goes better than what happened in my dream. <laughs> Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. All right, we're kind of redirecting ourselves for a period right here. We're going to spend some time in Advent, and then after Advent, what we're doing, Lord willing, is we will go through the gospel according to Matthew. Now, if you're a regular here and you know anything about the preaching here, then it's that normally we preach um, through books or chapters. We preach long, but for right now, we will be looking at select verses or themes or you could say even topics. Gosh, um, that's supposed to be a gasp, um, but it came out as a gosh. Um, for Advent, so, so we will look at Advent, and then we will go on to the book of Matthew, okay? And who knows how long we'll be there, but we'll be there. So what is Advent? What is Advent. Advent actually started last week. Um, we wanted to finish the Roman series, so we decided to put it off. But Advent is a Latin word, Adventus, which means arrival. It is the arrival. So why did the church make this thing called Advent? Well, was it because they decided, well, December 25th, we're going to celebrate Christ's birthday, and so then we will have a specific season where we will look at the advent or arrival of Christ? Well, not exactly. You see, advent was placed long ago, way before December 25th was chosen as a day that we would remember the birth of Christ. You see, advent was placed very early on, actually, in the church calendar. Did you know that there's such thing as a church calendar? Yeah, some of you who probably grew up in a Lutheran or Catholic church um, know about the church calendar. Those of us who grew up in more evangelical or Protestant churches probably know nothing about the church calendar at all. Let me just explain the church calendar for you. Advent is the start of the church calendar. Can anybody guess why? Well, because it was the birth or the arrival of Christ. It is the celebration and the anticipation of Christ's coming. After Advent is what's called Epiphany. Epiphany is the celebration or this idea of the wise men coming to Jesus and giving him gifts. After Epiphany would be Lent. After Lent would be Easter. After Easter, 40 days later, is then Pentecost Sunday where people worship God or that the Holy Spirit came down and then for the next six months it is what's called the ordinary time right so you have about six months of what of this intentional look of Christ's life his arrival his coming his life his death resurrection and the Holy Spirit then descending and then after that this ordinary time is to look at the people of God you see Advent is not a response to Christmas. Christmas is actually a response to Advent. I could get into this um, idea of Christmas, and I want to be careful because I might come off as a Scrooge, which I'm not. Love Christmas. 
boys liked Christmas. There are some deeply flawed things about Christmas, like teaching our children that if you do good things, then you'll get good things from a man. I don't think that's probably the best theology, but hey, we could talk about that at another time. You see, Christmas was placed, I believe, on the 25th because Advent runs from the end of or the last Sunday in November to just about the last Sunday in December. All right. So what is Advent? It's the anticipation. It's the arrival of Christ. And so each week we will be going through different themes. This, today's, is peace. Peace. Why is peace so important as we've been anticipating the arrival of the Christ, the Messiah, the one who would reconcile us back to God. Well, we're going to see that hopefully today. But what we are looking at in this one verse is the very first Christmas carol, believe it or not. Some may think that the first Christmas carol was written by a man named Charles Wesley. Hark, the herald angels sing. Some think that it's the glory in Excelsior Deo, written in the second century. But actually, right here, if the angels knew that these songs had copywritten them or, or stolen from them, then maybe the angels would sue them, but I don't think angels do that. Right here, indeed, is the very first Christmas carol. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. The very first Christmas song was written and sung by angelic beings. And we see it's a host of them. And they shout, they shout passion, joy, passionate joy is streaming out of their words. Glory to God in the highest. You see, the angels sing because the long-expected Savior has come. And it's interesting that the first song that they would sing, they have no other thing to think about other than there being peace on earth. So, here we go. There's going to be a few things. What we're going to do today is just a tad bit different than going word by word or verse by verse. Today, what I'd like us to just look at is I'd like to just look at a few things that this angelic song shows us, all right? A little bit different, I know. It was diff different for me writing this message, but let's look at it. The first that we're going to look at is that God is faithful to his word. Well, this angelic song reveals to us that God is faithful to his word. The second is going to be that God is humble in his coming. And then the third is that God brings peace to those who trust him. Pretty simple outline, a very three-point Baptist outline. So let's go ahead and get started here. The first, God is faithful to his word. 
The first question that we probably should ask when we come to this passage is what? Why did these angels sing this? Was it a spontaneous combustion where these angels just decided to sing this song? There was a reason. And the reason we are told is above. There's, a, there's shepherds out in the field keeping or tending to their field. They're keeping watch over their flock. And an angel of the Lord appears to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. You see, here's one of the the misconceptions of angels is that it's not like the wallpaper that's on your grandma's bathroom with little babies floating around on clouds with a bow and arrow. Um, angels aren't like in, uh, um, what's the movie called? Every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Uh, a, a Wonderful Life. Yes. I was going to say that's one of my favorite movies, but I can't say that anymore because I forgot the, the movie title. Angels aren't these human-looking people. Angels are these freaky beings. And as soon as the glory of God was filled and they shone, there was great fear over the shepherds. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The angels have had a front row seat to God's plan unfolding right before them. It's as if they're sitting in the front row seat. And they know what's coming and they've been waiting and longing for this day. And finally the day has come and God sends them to shepherds and they proclaim his glory. For this will be a sign to you, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This has been God's promise to reconcile man back to himself. And this is the start of it, Christ's life. But before we go any further, we actually have to go back to understand how long this great anticipation was before the angels came and sang this song. You see, this story starts all the way back in Genesis, doesn't it? For those of you who are familiar with the Bible, you'll know that in Genesis 1, God creates all things and he creates man and woman as the pinnacle of his creation. And he says, behold, these have been created in my image, these are very good. And God gives them reign and rule over his creation and says, be stewards over this land of mine. There's just one thing that I ask. Don't eat of the fruit of this tree. Just one thing, imagine that. You have free reign over everything and you're told just not this one thing. It's like, when I was a kid, I used to always dream of going to Toys R Us and being locked in Toys R Us. It would be as if the manager said, go ahead, do anything you want, but this one thing, if you touch and play with, and you're out, you're gone. Sinful nature crept in. The serpent deceived Adam and Eve, and we see the most tragic thing in history. 
Adam and Eve eat of the fruit. They eat of the fruit because they want to be God. They don't want just dominion over his creation. They actually want to rule over him. And so God kicks them out of the garden because sin cannot be in the presence of God. But God gives this great promise. And imagine with me here as the angelic beings are watching what's happening. They're seeing this unfold. They're seeing the creation take place. Adam and Eve come to be and fall and sin against God and kicked out. But before they're kicked out, God promises them that there would be an offspring of the woman who would crush the head of the offspring of the serpent. And so the angels are waiting in anticipation. And as time goes on, they see God come to a man named Abraham. Abraham, through you, there will be an offspring that will be a blessing to the nations. Through you, you will have an offspring that is as much as the stars of the sky. Count them, Abraham. And the angels are looking on and they're waiting and they're watching. And we see then David as then God tells David, through you, David, there will be a king that will rule forever. And the angels are watching on and waiting. And then they see Isaiah and God's prophecies through Isaiah. And they are waiting and watching. And finally, the Messiah is born. And they burst out with joy. How does this show us that God is faithful to his word? Thousands of years later, God keeps his word to send an offspring from a woman. You know, in our sinful hearts, far too often, don't we look at God as a fair-weathered friend? Or at least we treat him at times as if he's a fair-weathered friend, don't we? But God is no fair-weathered friend. He sticks to his word. Here's a challenge for you if you don't believe this. Read through the book of Genesis. Just read through the book of Genesis and see how many times when God speaks to somebody that it happens. What God says to happen will happen. God is not a fair-weathered friend that makes empty promises. No, God is a God who keeps his promises. And the angels have seen this. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're thinking, God, God, where are you? I don't see you. I don't seem to think that you're paying attention to me. I've been calling out day and night and I get no answer. God, where are you? Where have you gone? But can I just encourage you that he is faithful and that you can know this to be true by looking at his word? You can look at his word and time after time see how he's faithful. Can you be separated from God? No. Nothing can separate you. Will he drop you like a bad habit? No. He will bring you to completion. Has he deserted me in my darkest hour? No. He's walking with me through it. This passage of this first Christmas carol 
shows us right away that God is faithful to his word. That after thousands of years, God still keeps his word. And God will be faithful to you. He has not forgotten. So now that we know that God is faithful, we might be able to better understand this angelic song and why they burst into it after the announcement of the Messiah. We come to the first three words, glory to God. This is a, a phrase that we as Christians use and sometimes misunderstand. We can even come across helpful tools like the Westminster Confession, which tells us that the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever and yet still misunderstand what it means to glory or to bring God glory or glory to God. So here, simply put, what does it mean when the angels say glory to God, it means to honor, to adore, to give importance to, to see as beautiful. And so these angels are starting off their song saying, we adore you, God. We honor you, God. Glory to you, God. Glory to you. Why? Because God is in the highest. Glory to God in the highest. How? Well, his word tells us that he has created all things in six days and on the seventh rested. Not only has he created all things, but also at this very moment right now as you sit in these chairs, as each snowflake that falls and hits the ground this winter falls, he is in control and sustaining all of them at this very moment. God is in the highest because he knows all things. He's not bound to a specific place or time. He is perfect in every single ways. And so the angels right away draw our attention that there is none like God. He is a high and above all else. He is the highest. There is none above him. Yet we see God coming and interacting with us in the most incredible way. The God that is in the highest comes to dwell with us. His created being, the only begotten Son, is sent to dwell with the creation. And so we see God being born in the likeness of sinful flesh. He took on flesh. He took on flesh in the most humble postures possible. He was born into what most would say a lower middle class family. I mean, think about it. Jesus ate he sweat, he played, he laughed, he cried, he worked. The God in the highest humbles himself by dwelling with us 
by being born in the same image and likeness of us. You see, the angels glorify God in the highest because they know His splendor and His greatness is like no other. We see angels having to cover their eyes while they sing, Holy, 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 there is none like you. And yet that same God humbles himself and is born in the likeness of men. So if you're not a Christian and you're here with us today, I just would like you to consider what we are looking at. For the highest God is born in the likeness of sinful flesh. If you have any questions, please come and talk with me afterwards. Or there's plenty of people who are members here at this church. If you would like to talk with them, they should be able to ask or field your questions. But here, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, and this holiday, or maybe the holidays for you in general, are just hard, believe it or not, for some people... This is not the most wonderful time of the year. It's one of the hardest times of the year for some people. And so if you're here and today or this holiday season is going to be hard because of loss, because of grief, because of broken relationships, I'd just like to encourage you that you have a God who humbles himself to come and dwell with you. He does not leave you and He does not forsake you. He comes and He draws close to the needy and to the poor. And so as if that is you this holiday season, please take comfort in knowing that Christ is with you. But it's not that God just came to dwell with us, right? It's not that he came to dwell with us just to kind of check up on us and, and see how are you guys doing. Let me get the temperature here and then I'm just going to go back. No, he came with a mission. He came with a purpose. He came to bring peace. The long-awaited arrival of Christ was the long-awaited arrival for peace with God among people. And this is how we see this next verse of the song or the next part of this song carries on and says, On earth peace among those whom he is pleased. The angels see that the Prince of Peace is born. But this is an interesting thing for this particular group of angels to sing. Why? Well, here's something that's free. Not This is just free. When, when you see host in Scripture, that means army. So this army of angels is coming and they're not declaring war. What are they declaring? Peace. But here's where things tend to not add up, right? Because let's just look at our life. Let's look at the past few years. It doesn't really seem like peace has come, does it? It seems like we're actually further away from peace and closer to it. 
let's just, here, here's as I was thinking about this, let's just run through the gamut here. Let's just be as honest as possible. COVID has left unrest and fear in the hearts of people. It's also left serious pride in the hearts of people. I mean, who would have thought that masks would be the cause of division? I mean, there have been riots that have devastated cities. There have been riots that have devastated our capital. There have been people out of work for months and even years. And there have been people who refuse to go back to work. There are teachers who are close to burnout. Here's the thing. It was just made clear to me that in Appleton, our teachers, there's a survey that was taken, I guess. I got an email from a group of pastors. Our teachers here are closer to burnout now than they are at the end of the school year. It's only halfway through the year. So you want to dedicate yourself to praying? Pray for our school teachers here in the, in the valley. They're close to burnout, and it's not even close for summer. <laughs> there are people who have lost loved ones this past year. There are those who have had broken relationships. There are those who have had children leave the home just because it was time for them to leave. For some of you, that's the hardest thing. For some of you, it's the easiest thing. So how is it that there can be peace on earth? Well, we're not told that there's actually peace on earth. We, we see that the angels actually say, on earth, peace among those whom God is pleased with. What does it mean when God is pleased with you? How does a person please God? Well, I mean, we look at other religions, and what we will see is people say, well, if you just make the right sacrifices in life, that's how you please God. Or if you just work hard enough, then you will please God. If you just do the right thing, if you are a helpful and good person in this lifetime, that's what's pleasing to God. If you observe the law correctly in every single way, then you will please God. If you keep it faithfully, daily, if you go and you confess your sins and you hope you've done enough good things at the end of your life, you hope to stand before God and he says, I'm pleased with you. This isn't how we please God. This isn't how the Bible teaches us to please God. The Bible actually tells us, Paul tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us, that we are justified by faith. And when we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Do you have peace with God? Isn't it so easy to look for peace in so many other places than God? We see that if we just join enough groups or activities and we distract ourselves, then we'll have peace. We see if we just make enough money in this lifetime so we can retire early, that's what is going to bring me peace. If I look 
and watch as much TV as possible so I can enter into another reality. We're getting to a generation where that's going to turn into gaming. If I just game enough, if I enter into the metaverse, if I just drink enough, if I just do drugs, if I just sleep around as much as possible, that's what's going to bring me peace in this life, right? And yet we see over time that people are just, they're more angry than before. We get more angry when these things don't satisfy us because we think that these things are going to bring us peace. And yet they don't. And the angels are telling us in this song that on earth there is peace. And this isn't that all of your problems just magically go away. This is peace with God. This is a peace knowing that your sin is no longer seen in God's eyes. That you are seen as righteous and just. You are seen as having peace with God. The sin that once condemned you to hell no longer condemns you. But instead, you are marked by Christ's sacrifice on the cross for you. Christ is your peace offering with God. Are you at peace with God? I hope we see now why the angels breaking out into song is important as we look at Advent or the arrival of Christ is because the the angels have been anticipating this arrival. Because the arrival of Christ means reconciliation of God and man. It shows us the peace that is available to all those who believe that Jesus has died for them, that trusts in Christ as the Savior. It shows us how God is a God that desires to be at peace with sinners. And how sinners can find peace with God. 